I'm Shachar Razani, and this is Israel at War. As Israel continues with its attack on Hamas savages in Gaza, eyes are pointing north. Iran's puppet Hezbollah leader Hassan Nasrallah spoke last week publicly since the war started. What did he have to say, and what does it mean for Israel's northern and beyond challenges? Joining us all the way from the north of Israel is our good friend, Lieutenant Colonel Reserve Sarid Zahavi. She's the founder and CEO of the Alma Research and Education Center and Israel's Eyes Up North. She's an IDF intelligence veteran and security expert. She lives with her husband and five children in the village of Kfar Vradim, located in the Western Galilee region of northern Israel. Sarit, it's a pleasure to speak with you. As always, how are you? Thank you very much. Actually, my husband's children are no longer with us. They are recruited. Oh, wow. Recruited. So, okay, don't tell us where they are, but from here, we wish them you know, best of safety and may they guard Israel. Our hearts and prayers are with, with them and with all of Israel and the Jewish people at this time. Yeah. What is the, um, I want to start, you know, let's, let's hit the nail on the head. We had the speech of Hassan Nasrallah of, uh, of Hezbollah last week. For those of us who didn't listen to the marvels of his philosophies, what did he have to say? Can you concise it for us? Sure. If anybody thought that Nasrallah will uh, say clearly when and how and in what circumstances is uh, going to expand the already uh, low-scale war that is going on here on the northern border, well, it, it was disappointed. But I think we should listen carefully to the things he said, because Nasrallah understands that the framing of the war now is a framing of an Israeli-Hamas war, which of course this is false, this is just a lie. But for him, it's comfortable. Uh, so he went along with that one. And then he said that the, there is place to expand this conflict without setting the terms of how exactly and what exactly. But actually, in a very accurate way, he described the reality here up north, which people tend to ignore. Because he said, and, and I totally agree with him on this, that the situation here is very different from everything we have ever experienced here, the Israelis. He said that Hezbollah created a completely new situation, that it's not safe anymore to live or to presence on the northern border. And actually, 60,000 Israelis were evacuated from their homes, including some towns which are relatively big to this region, 22,000 people in Kiryat Shmona, that's a lot of people. And we don't have any prospect to understand when these people are going to be back at home since Hezbollah every day either launch anti-tank missiles or rockets or UAVs. Sometimes the claiming of responsibility is by Hamas, but in most cases, this is Hezbollah. And uh, how this reality is actually going to change? How are we going to feel safe in our homes again? Uh, while all the capabilities of Hezbollah are preserved. So he, 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 there, there is kind of war that is going on here. While nobody wants to say the word war, it's not within the interest of neither of the sides, neither of Israel nor of Hezbollah. But for us, the people that are living here, we feel that it's definitely not peace or peacefulness or calm or routine. None of the above. Uh, children are not going to school. Uh, tomorrow, they're going to start uh, going to school at, at my town for three hours only in the safe room, you know, and they have like uh, each time it's a different class because the safe room is not enough for all the few hundreds of 
of children in the school. Uh, how For how long are we going to live like that? And how is it going to solve? Nobody is talking about it. And Asrallah knows that. And I think this is what he is now focusing on. And this is what he was trying to say. I created a reality that is unbearable for the state of Israel. And he knows that eventually we will have to deal with it. Eventually, something will happen here. And that's why to say that he is not interested in, in escalation is very problematic because it is clear that he put us in a situation that we can know it cannot continue forever. So I, I just want to ask you, we remember, um, you know, weeks and months ago, we spoke about Hezbollah tents um, in Israeli territory. Are these tents still there? No, the the one one was removed by uh, Hezbollah itself, and the other one was removed by the IDF at the beginning of the conflict. Uh, I think October eight or something. While after Hezbollah launched the the, the few first anti tanks, by the way, from a school in South Lebanon, the few first anti tank missiles against us. Well, we're used to these excuses. Um, we saw a report about a a, a targeted car vehicle. In, in that area, and immediately, I think it was um, the statement came out from Hezbollah that it was a grandmother and three grandkids, you know, it never, you never heard terrorists, you always uh, seem to take out, you know, children with a grandmother is when it comes to Hamas and Hezbollah, but, you know, what's I, the surprise? Look, I, want, I want to be honest, we don't know what happened in this incident, I saw the reports coming out of Lebanon, maybe there were civilians who got killed. But the the player that created the war situation here and put his own people at risk, it's Hezbollah. Israel has no business in attacking, uh, definitely not uh, Lebanese civilians, but also with Hezbollah, I think our policy throughout the past two years was a policy of uh, unbelievable containment and relying on deterrence, a policy that cannot exist anymore after what happened uh, in the South. Correct. Correct. So I want to ask you about that for a minute. You were talking about the speech and and a mini war that's taking place. Why? What is the? Can you map the interest for us? Why isn't Hezbollah? Not that I'm wishing for it. Why isn't Hezbollah joining a fully fledged war against Israel from the north in support of Hamas? Why not really? There are different opinions around that. Uh, I will try to present both of them, either even though I have my own, of course. But uh, one we opinion... Here, which we want to hear. We want to hear everything. <laughs> of course, one opinion is that uh, Hezbollah is not interested in something further than what we see now, that it is deterred by the American uh, assistance that Israel received. It, when we say it is deterred, we also mean the Iranians, of course, the, the boss over here, that they saw the U.S. Uh, carriers and now the submarine, the nuclear submarine, and all of that creates some kind of, okay, let's hold on. Um, that's one explanation, which actually I don't accept because we just discussed um, uh, before uh, in the air, we, we talked about the attacks against the Americans, right. and I don't see this holding on yet. And I think that I need more proofs uh, to believe that there is deterrence here. So you don't see, you don't believe that um, that the American presence is deterring Hezbollah in Iran? As long as Tehran is not directly threatened or even physically threatened, I am not sure it creates deterrence. And maybe, 
I must, I must say, I must talk about my bias. Maybe it's because I'm an Israeli and, you know, deterrence was the key word to understand the Israeli policy in, in the past decade or, or decades. And it doesn't exist anymore. We cannot talk about it anymore because look what happened when we believed in our deterrence. Right. So I think we should be very, very careful. Would we you agree? So deterrence is one option. What's the yeah. other? The other option is that Hezbollah uh, is... I wouldn't say deter, but has constraints with regard to his own base. Okay. And it is important for Hezbollah to create a legitimacy within his own base and to create the image that it is actually fighting for Lebanon or for the Lebanese, or at least for the Lebanese Shiites, if you like, rather than for the Palestinians. We always knew that Hezbollah would never lie on the fence. I know it's an Israeli term, but I hope you understand. Uh, for the Palestinians. It never had done that, and there is no reason it would start to do it now. It's all part of a grand plan. So Nasrallah needs to detach the Palestinian issue or Hamas issue from his own campaign. And so that's it why- It needs to be a Lebanese issue. It needs to be a Lebanese issue. It needs to be a Lebanese issue. And I think that's why the, the option of dragging Israel into war creating a circle of action, reaction, creating a situation that for us is unbearable and he knows it will need to be dealt, This will he will be able to say it's Israel initiated, not, not Hezbollah. Right. So, so you're saying that if we started, um, if we attacked Hezbollah, it would be more convenient for them? In a way, yes. And again, we we will attack Hezbollah in order to create a new reality that will enable us to bring back the residents of the north to their homes. Right. Uh, so, okay. and, and every night there are IDF attacks. Right. Uh, I hear them personally. Every night there are IDF attacks against Hezbollah after every afternoon or every evening there are Hezbollah attacks against us. Against Israel. Um, I, I want to ask you, as somebody who listens in to the voices coming out of the region, what are you hearing inside Lebanon, inside Lebanese society, media, social media and beyond? What are the ordinary Lebanese or different factions in Lebanon? What do they have to say about the prospect of a war with Israel? So it's much more different factions than the ordinary, ordinary Lebanese, because it's really, really differs who we are talking about. Um, with regard to Christians and, and uh, Sunnis and Druze, they are perfectly against uh, the involvement of Lebanon in this, though I can't say they support Israel. Right. Okay, They do support the Palestinian cause in what is happening. Uh, with the Druze, I heard some uh, reports of actual resistance to Hezbollah operations within their areas. With the Christians, we understand that there is a lot of worry that Hezbollah will take advantage of this conflict to take over the, the Christian towns in South Lebanon, while Christians evacuating from South Lebanon. Uh, with regard to Sunnis, we see the, what the Prime Minister of Lebanon, who is always Sunni, by the way, uh, talked about. When what, speak, did, what did he talk about? He rejected the, the involvement of Lebanon. Right. Uh, in a war. But the problem is that Hezbollah is the strongest player in Lebanon. Uh, and by the way, also the Christian leadership, uh, Samir Jaja also rejected that. With regard to, to the Shiite base of Hezbollah, here we see support. 
we see support, we see them echoing the propaganda of Hezbollah, uh, kind of boring, you know, uh, social media uh, research for us to see this, everything is just echoed again and again and again. Um, very little, there are voices against the involvement of Lebanon from among the Shiite in Lebanon, but these are very few and definitely not from South Lebanon uh, towns that I can't say 100%, but overall support to the to whatever Hezbollah will decide to do. Even though they'll be directly affected by such um, all... Will, that's the base of Hezbollah. That's the indoctrination project that succeeded. You've seen this perfectly in Gaza, that eventually for 20 years, you educate the children to believe in one thing, you end up in what you see in Gaza. Right. Um, and you mentioned another consideration, potentially, why Hezbollah is not involved. You said three. One was the deterrence, which, you know, not necessarily. Two was internal Lebanese considerations. And could three, could it be Iran's schedule? Yes, in this, I must say, I believe that everything is working according to a well-prepared plan of the Iranians to create a multi-front campaign against the state of Israel. That's why you see Yemen... That's why you see uh, these attacks against American forces here. And I think that, uh, you, you know, in opposed to the West that believe in quick wars, we saw 73 and all of us waiting, waited for two fronts at the same time. And if this is happen not happening, so it will not happen. It's not like that. I don't see, you know, why wouldn't they try to create a long-term war here? that can paralyze the state, the economy, reservists recruited for forever, for a very long time. For them, this scenario is much more comfortable. And I, I think I can totally understand if this is the scenario that they are working on. Our mission is to make sure that they will not succeed uh, in this scenario and to make sure again, that we treat all these threats against us here and getting back to normal as quickly as possible. Of course, the IDF is working uh, in Gaza very carefully. It takes much longer than, than, you know, again, these quick wars that everybody expected. But that way you get less loss of lives. It, it's funny to say that, but it's less loss of lives from the Israeli side and from the Palestinian side. And I, I watched the TV um, in Arabic today. And I saw loss of lives in, in the, the Palestinian side. And I, I truly, I, I, it was difficult for me to understand why are there still Palestinians in the areas that Israel constantly said, please evacuate, please leave these areas. And Israel even secured the route from the north to the south to make sure that Hamas will not shoot the, these people after it had done that a few times um and and enable them to go down 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 uh, uh, south and while we want to work on the northern part it's truly unbelievable how cynically hamas is using the gazians as human shields uh idf found uh launchers uh inside a boy scouts uh facility inside an amusement park in, in next to a mosque while the uh, the the operational uh, system of these launchers is inside the mosque. Uh, the whole civilian infrastructure of Gaza is mobilized for the military one of Hamas. And imagine that it's all the same in Lebanon. 
then, you know, you're talking about this situation with Hamas and Hezbollah, and you think about Israel's really unbelievable scenario where there are voices out there among politicians, celebrities, and others, in spite of the videos that are, you know, that are being seen, the way Hamas is using and abusing the civilian population, they still point the finger only at Israel. It it amazes me every time. I think it's very sad because eventually we are fighting terror that is terrorizing the Gazians themselves. Right. And the Gazians, many of them understand that. And in the Arab world, many people understand that even though they don't say it out loud. Right. And many people, we, we waited too long. I am, I am, you know, I feel that we waited too long. So Hamas became dead strong in Gaza or Hezbollah became dead strong in Lebanon. Right. And now it cost a lot of lives of both sides to defeat against these horrifying uh, organizations. So let me ask you, what you're saying is that eventually Israel will not, will have no other choice but to change the reality up north. The only way to change the reality up north of having the Radwan forces of Hezbollah sitting on the fence with Israel, and you you yourself, you clashed with Hezbollah on the fence when they were... See all the photos behind me. I took them. All these photos are Hezbollah on the fence. Right. So do you feel that war up north is inevitable? Like war large scale, the way we're seeing now in, in with Hamas in Gaza? I would say there are kind of two general options. Okay, maybe there are more options... With, with the details. Two general options. One is that, yes, we will have a conflict and, and full-scale war up north, uh, which everybody understands the cost of that, especially if you look at the arsenal of Hezbollah with regard to the firepower and missiles uh, in Lebanon. Uh, another option is to find some kind of diplomatic solution. But, um, you know, I, I am asking myself, what would make me believe in a diplomatic solution after what happened since 2006, that everybody believed in UNIFIL and UNIFIL was completely ineffective. And we were complaining about that for years and nobody listened. So it is clear that Israel will no longer comply with an ineffective diplomatic solution that will put me in, at risk. You know, um, I keep saying that, you know, from a personal point of view, what happened down south for us, the people up north, is to, it's kind of to see, to look at kind of a, a video and to see what will happen to us. God forbid. This is not dealt. As clear as that, it means that we are all looking now to have personal arms. It means that we think of security, of personal security in a completely different way than we used to think in the past, how do we secure our very, our homes in the everyday life? Do we enable the kids to stay home alone or not anymore? These are existential questions of the daily lives here that we didn't experience until today. It's existential fear that, okay, if you're here shooting, you should escape outside of the window and not go to the ball shelter because the bomb shelter was a trap as we've seen in the South. How am I going to make sure that I'm not going to be taken as hostages, but to get killed? These are the thoughts that we have every day in mind, the people of the North. And this must be changed because the massacre cannot repeat itself. Do you see a situation diplomatically um, after Hamas is crushed in Gaza, 
that pushes Hezbollah forces beyond a certain point. Um, just like they were supposed to be, according to international resolutions post-2006. They weren't supposed to be where they were. Um, is there any any chance, in your opinion, that that might happen? Or the only way would be the armed twist? I, I always want to believe in diplomacy, but to tell you the truth, I don't know how this will happen. What, you, we're going to see NATO forces enter to Lebanon and going from home to home in the Shiite towns to, to dismantle the rockets? Who, who exactly is going to do that? Do you see a situation, we, we talked about American deterrence, and you know you mentioned the attacks against American forces by uh, pro-Iranian militias in Syria and Iraq. Do you think that Hezbollah is considering a situation of active American forces involvement in attacking Hezbollah up north? I am not sure. I am not sure that this is what they view. Um, but that's why I'm saying, as an Israeli, when I look at the American assistance, I don't look at that from the psychological point of view, even though for Israelis, it's extremely encouraging right. to see that. I am looking at that from an operational point of view. I feel more secure that the United States is presence here because I understand the capabilities of United States, not because I understand that the other side is afraid. And it's it's a very important difference. Understood. You know, I got to ask you, I know we're reaching the end of our time, but President Obama, former President Obama, um, stated on, on Pod Save America, a, a podcast interview that he had, that even, you know, the attacks that Hamas perpetrated were horrid, but so was the occupation, and we should all bear responsibility for what's happening now. How do you, as an Israeli, living today's reality in Israel, respond to such a statement? What occupation? We left Gaza in 2005. We made all arrangements to create platforms of cooperation, collaboration, peace, merchandise with the Gazians. We hoped that our uh, unilateral withdrawal will bring peace and prosperity to our people and to the Gazians. And none of that happened. What occupation on earth? There is not a single Jew living in Gaza since 2005. We took the families, we took the graves out of Gaza. We took the dead out of Gaza. 8,000 people were evacuated. What occupation? And if he's talking about West Bank, let's talk about West Bank. Why there weren't elections in West Bank for uh, since 2006, because Hamas will win. This is why you can ask Abu Mazen, he will, he will admit that, okay? Why Israel is entering every night to areas that it already evacuated? Because there is terror coming out of these cities. Why are there refugee camps under the authority of the Palestinian Authority uh, for 25 years since the Oslo Accords, if there is a Palestinian authority, why are they still considered refugee camps? Right. Somebody right. needs to, to deal with all these questions about occupation in a more detailed way. You know, Senator Bernie Sanders was asked, I'll just share with you this, um, about the ceasefire. And he said, you know, he doesn't understand what a ceasefire would achieve because, uh, you know, of what Hamas's commitment to the destruction and genocide against the Jewish people. But when he was asked about Israeli operations, he said they also need to cease the attacks 
And when, when he was confronted about what should Israel do, bearing in mind the fact that um, Hamas is hiding behind civilians, he said, I don't know. I'm not a military expert. They should ask someone. <laughs> okay, so if you ask me, we need to defeat Hamas. And, uh, you know, today, and maybe we'll end up with that. Today I went to a, kind of a shopping center that we have in, in my town. Right. And uh, it's a place where we gather the community in, in many ceremonies. And they put uh, chairs for each hostage, like right. 240 chairs. 240. With, uh, as you have there with the posters of the kidnapped people. One of them is from our, our town. So I took a photo of these chairs. You can see it uh, in my in my social media accounts and a video. And it's it's it just filled it's it filled the 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 piazza. I don't know how you say it in English. It it filled the the the, the place, the shopping area with chairs. And it's just two hundred and forty, but the whole place was full with empty chairs. Yeah. And and I and I tweeted, these two hundred and forty hostages in Gaza don't understand and and couldn't tell the difference between a ceasefire to a humanitarian pause. Right. This is all laundry of words that don't mean anything for our people that are taking hostages there and didn't get to meet the Red Cross until now. And nobody, you know, when, when they talk about humanitarian, you know, that's uh, that discussion is reserved only for Gazans, not for the 240 innocent Israelis, children, babies, women, elderly, um, who are held by Hamas monsters, Hamas savages in uh, in Gaza City. Well. What can we say? All that we can say, Sarit, is keep up the amazing work that you do. Stay safe, you and your family. We thank you, as always, for your insights and the tremendous service you provide and the entire Alma team for Israel and for the world as a whole, because you're keeping an eye on some very dark and dangerous places that aren't only threatening the Jewish state. So thank you so much for this. Thank you, Shaha. And to all of you, our viewers, as promised, JBS will continue to keep you updated about these important events unfolding in the Middle East, which I remind you and us all are not just about Israel and Hamas. It's a battle of humanity against barbarism and a much grander scale with strategic significance all around. May we see better days soon. I'm Shahar Azani. Thank you so much for watching. Shalom and Lehitraot. Am Yisrael Khan.